What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, November 1st, 2021, and this week's episode, The Big Apple, welcomes UFC 268. We'll be talking about an insane fight card from Abu Dhabi and, of course, a new light heavyweight champion at UFC 267. We'll talk a little bit about the PFL Championship, what's next for Kayla Harrison, and, of course, a couple of the big winners who took home that million-dollar grand prize. And we'll, of course, top it off by talking about the upcoming card, the return to the Big Apple for the biggest promotion in mixed martial arts, UFC 268 and the stacked triple header. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez and I'm here with my co-host Natalie Zamudio. Hello G. I am uh, recovered from the candy coma from yesterday and I'm ready to talk MMA. How are you? I am good. So Baby Joe was the Mandalorian or he was Baby Yoda? I forget. He was him. He was the baby in the sweatshirt. Okay. <laughs> Because he didn't want to wear his Mandalorian costume. He got really mad at me for trying to put it on. And I said, okay, fine. Don't wear it. Well, actually, I did. My husband said, don't wear it. And I got mad, too. So uh, anyway, then we all ate candy, and it was fine. <laughs> There's always next year, right? There's always next year. He, he's very young. He's not even two years old yet. So. Oh, yeah. He, he's got plenty of years to be Baby Yoda. Anyway, well, well, you know what, look, I mean, Sunday was very nice. I think it was a nice to have a holiday after such an insane fight week. So let's get right into it. UFC 267, nice middle of the day, enjoy lunch, enjoy the food coma, and then Saturday night was all yours for UFC 267. It was just an absolutely beautiful, and I mean beautiful, main card topped off by the performance of Glover Tashira over Jan Blahovich. Uh, Natalie, just to, from the get-go, very impressed with Glover's toughness. My two biggest takeaways, obviously his performance, his execution, get the fight to the ground, and position before submission. Not Didn't finish it in the first, but he did all the right things in the second. And then the second biggest thing, in that second round, Eats some solid punches from... Uh, look, I know he joked about it. That is a heavy-handed Jan Blahovich. Like, he's got those bones that are just more dense and more solid than normal light heavyweights. And Glover walked right through them, cracked him himself, got the fight to the ground, and, I, I mean, you saw it. He got the rear naked choke, and really, that was it almost immediately. Just, what were your thoughts on Saturday night? The headline. Oh, it was, th- it was thrilling. Like to see Glover win, we didn't pick him, or at least I didn't pick him. And uh, you know, he's he's the M. <laughs> he's a legend. He's the treasure of of UFC of MMA. So it was so beautiful to see him win, and the way he did it. You know, it wasn't a hail mary. You know, knockout. When you can say if you're the opponent, ah, you know, he, I got caught. No, you got owned, and no disrespect. Like Glover was just the better man that night dominated total domination round one you know i don't know if there was scorecards released but that had to have been a 10-8 round two you know he he walks through the polish power gets him down and submits him like and it, it the way it happened the submission it almost looked easy and i think felder mentioned it and i mentioned it too you know on my sofa 
from my commentary booth, uh, that looked like a quick tap, not, not in a bad way, but I thought, man, maybe he was cranking on the chin really hard. Uh, but you know, Jan himself said, no, he got me right, right under the chin there. And it just, you know, Glover probably has a really, you know, all those years of grappling experience and tasting the belt, the victory right there at the end of that tap, he probably squeezed like heck on, on Jan's, on Jan's neck. So it was a beautiful, efficient, exciting, thrilling performance. I mean, what more do you want? Like the guy is one of the nicest, kindest fighters on the roster. He just turned 42. His wife is there, you know, this whole story of immigration and having to go back to Brazil to get his visa. I mean, what a journey. It's, uh, it's one of those, it's like a Disney movie, you know, like uh, Mighty Ducks uh, M- MMA. And it, it was really nice to see. So I'm very happy. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that, uh, that beautiful metaphor as we approach the holiday season. Um, I think that uh, it was one of those sucks to see either of them lose. I mean, look, Jan Blahovich, he was the guy who it looked like maybe it wasn't going to happen. Maybe he doesn't even stick around in UFC and look at the last 12 months that he's had, but really belongs to Glover Tashira. Just, um, it's just proof this is why they fight the fights. It's never over till it's over uh, for any fighter. And I think that he joins guys like Charles Oliveira, Michael Bisping as proof that it's like, hey, you know, just because you don't, just because you're not John Jones win it early and dominate doesn't mean that you do not get to one day hold a piece of UFC gold. So it's never over till it's over, Um, which of course leads to the question. Glover Tashira had a storybook ending. He decided he wants to keep the ball rolling, which I love. And now we have a very interesting fight. A lot of people thought we'd get Poland versus Czech Republic. Instead, we kind of got new school versus old school. Jiri Prohashka is waiting in the wings as it seems to be the incumbent title challenger. What are your thoughts on that fight, at least preliminarily? Well, it's exciting. It's the it's the fight to make. And Glover seems like the kind of champion who'll just... Like um like Valentina Shevchenko, he'll she'll just take whoever's next in line, not picking anybody, not not picking certainly not picking fights with anybody, so that there would be some kind of exciting matchup to make over you know uh, you know that would override a merit based uh, matchup. In this case, it's Jerry Prochaska. He's in the crowd there. You know what I would like to see should Glover defeat him whenever that may time may come. I think he said. Am I getting my dates confused? I know somebody said what month. Did he say March or May? I can't remember. I think he's looking um, for like before summer. Okay. Because, you know, the man needs some time to, to, you know, soak it in. The holidays are coming. He's probably going to want to eat some turkey and whatnot. So let the man enjoy his victory and then come back before summer. Uh, but what I'm getting to is what I would like to see should he beat Jerry is that Anthony Smith rematch. Uh, you know, Anthony Smith's looking great again. So I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but that's something I have my eye on too. I mean, for me, I think that um, people aren't talking about it because he doesn't seem to do much media, but Jerry Prohoshka's kind of got that Hamza Chimaev kind of heat. I mean, great win streak outside of the UFC, but he gets two victories and people aren't even questioning he's the next title challenger when you've got quite a few guys who have been doing work for many years in the octagon behind him. So I think that you really... I really want to see how they promote him because I feel like he's just this breath of fresh air. 
that they haven't really gotten to give him the whole, you know, follow him on Embedded and do a countdown show on him and feature him on something on Fight Pass, you know. Also, remember, it's not like he fought on another, like, a LFA. Rise, you know, UFC doesn't have access to all of his fights in Ryzen. So I think that I want to see just how, how, what happens when we introduce him with the spotlight, when everyone's talking mm-hmm. about how did you start fighting? Where did you this come from? What the heck is going on with the hair? All of this stuff. I think when it comes together, I think it's going to be really beautiful. I don't know if you saw this, but I want to bring it up before we move on to the epic co-main event. But Anthony Smith talked to Ariel Helwani. He said that he's already been spoken to by the UFC about a possible fight with Jan Blahovich. Did you hear about this? Oh, no, I did not. He said Jan Blahovich already wants to get back in there and that UFC uh, gave Anthony the call. So I don't know about when that would be. Anthony did say that he has an injury, which, by the way, pulled him out of an Alexander Rockich fight that was planned for mid-December. So first off, Jan versus Anthony. I really like it. I think that that's a pretty good yeah. fight for both men right here. But I want to give that shine. If Alexander Rockich is free or needs a dance partner, I really hope they go to Megamed Ankalaev, who got the win over Volkan Uzdemir to open up the card, I believe. Yeah. That uh-huh. guy, he's on a great win streak. He had that whole incident where Jan Kutalaba tried to run him over inside the octagon before the fight. So I would like to see that because I feel like for the first time in a long time, we have all the ducks in a row lined up, a light heavyweight. So I think that just makes for a lot of fun at 205. What about you? Yeah, it's uh, it's looking good. I mean, you know, we had the the pot got stirred when Jones left and Jan won the interim belt, and, and that was exciting. He fought Izzy, another exciting fight. And then Glover Teixeira is the champion, and there's all these guys who have been doing great things in the division just below our, you know, current current champion and just former champion. So there's a lot to, to make matchups with here, and that's good. What more do you want? Nothing, so I'm going to leave it right at that. Let's yeah. talk about this epic co-main event now. Holy guacamole. Dude, I was, I, I swear, it, it became like a, you know, don't even pick up your cell phone after about round two. I was just so riveted. Um, Peter Jan, Corey Sanhagen. Corey... I love the approach that he took. He didn't try to get as airborne, you know. I think a lot of people thought he might, you know, he has that height and reach advantage. He might try to take off like he did against Frankie and Marlin, which he did a little bit. He he tried to take a few opportunities to see if he could get it, but for the most part, so slick in the first two rounds, used his reach, used his movement, used his volume, just kept trying, just kept throwing shots and you know, he, he really made Pewter work in those first about eight-ish minutes. And then this guy from Russia who just shows no mercy. He just keeps pushing forward. One of the adjustments I noticed is that outside of picking his spots a little better, there it started to happen where sometimes Corey would only throw one punch. And then you could see Pewter, you know, make, you know, he read it and would just throw you know, three or four punches in in response, and it really made Corey more hesitant as we started to get through those later rounds. All rounds were competitive. Corey landed punches 
every, one through five, but I think it was pretty clear after about midway through the second, Pewter's just cardio and his forward pressure and just all those little adjustments he was making to finally get ahead on Corey were finally starting to pay off and well-deserved unanimous decision. What about you? Yeah, it was impressive to see. You know, we've seen Piotr do this before, so hopefully Corey was expecting the sort of um, quiet before the storm where it looks like you're winning. You know, we saw with Jose Aldo and, and Corey now at the early, uh, at least in round one, a little bit around two, where you're having success, you're landing, you're landing. But at, by now, everybody knows Piotr Jan is just figuring you out. He's just gathering data, gathering data, computing, computing, computing. Oh, okay. Formula. Boom. And then he just starts going. And it's kind of scary, you know, the way he's like a, uh, just a flat-footed pressure, pressure, forward-moving, like little Terminator. Not, I don't say little disparagingly, but, you know, he's shorter than his opponent. And, you know, there's no bounce in his step, man. He's just like boom, 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 going right after you, right after you. And he's slick, too, despite not bouncing, despite staying kind of, you know, not – I wouldn't call him stiff, but – there's a lot of slickness to his boxing. He moves at the waist very well and the power. The power is is what I think, if I'm looking at Corey Sanhagen's camp now, corner now, I think, okay, you've got this amazing movement and fluidity and you have um, speed and agility, but all that doesn't matter as much if you can't land with power. Now, he was able to land the knee on Frankie Edgar, but this is a completely different opponent than Frankie Edgar. So a flying knee, as you mentioned, isn't going to be, you know, flying tricks aren't going to be as effective against someone like Piotr Jan. But yeah, great, great fight back and forth, nonstop the whole time. But for me, the difference was the pressure of Jan and the power of Jan. It just, it just cannot be, um, it's the puzzle that can't be solved yet. You know, someone will figure it out, but, but we're not quite there yet. And so now he's got the belt again, and most people in the division, including himself, are saying this is the real belt. So um, I'm just thinking how long before Algermain's back? I actually don't know what his prognosis is and his return date. But do you know? I mean, has I, he said? I know he's already had the surgery. I know he went on Ariel's show this morning. And um, by the way, thank you, MMA Fighting, for always getting those clips up because... I have other things and I can't just take down YouTube and, you know, multiple that five hours in the morning. But yeah, Aljo said, I think uh, January or February, he let the UFC know he wants to, you know, he, he wants to run it back. So positive stuff moving forward. I will say that. Okay. Um. Once again, I will say that that is... I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Aljo's been very open to say, like, look, I was getting better. I really wanted to fight, but the fact is that my recovery was not at the point I needed it to be to take this October fight. That was a month ago. Remember, it's Corey had about five, six weeks for notice for this one. I yeah. do feel like... I'm going to trust that Aljo knows his body. At this point, why would you give him an early date? I, I feel like you would give something that's realistic. You know what I mean? So I know we talked about it. It's a neck injury. Everything's got to be careful. I will say I trust that Aljo knows his body going forward. Uh, TJ Dillashaw, 
um, if you're him, do you wait or do you maybe think about the winner of uh, Aldo and Rob Font coming up? Mm-hmm. Well, know, it depends. It's tough, right? Does, well, because he's not really in a position to wait. Like he's got to show us more to get us excited about the about a title shot. And so I would like to see him fight Jose Aldo because that's that's a great fight, a legend versus you know a former champion with a you know uh, shady past, I guess. And so so there's good stories there to be made. Um, if I'm TJ, yeah, I think I, uh, well, I can't, I, I'm going to go ahead and guess that TJ is going to want to just get right back into it. And so, you know, let me go back and to, to Aljo and say, like, I really hope he doesn't rush his return just because of the pressure and the stigma that is kind of attached to him as being a flopper, even though, you know, you just, you just got to believe that he really couldn't continue and that that's why he has the belt and all that stuff. Right. Um, and then having the neck injury just after that and being unable to defend, like, as you said, very serious surgery. I want, we all want him to just take his time. So January seems a little soon to me. So what I'd rather see is Piotr Jan defend the interim belt again. And in that case, sure. Why not let TJ Dillashaw take a crack at it? And then Jose Aldo and Rob Font can, can be next in line. Um, should Aljo not be back to, to then try to unify that's kind of what I would hope for because I don't care what fancy laser they use to fix your neck. Like October to January is too soon. Yeah. I think that also for TJ, I don't know where he's at with his uh, recovery on the knee. Cause remember that was the reason why he couldn't step up to take Peter. But, um, mm-hmm. I would hope that his, I, I think it's going to be all about his timeline. So like, for example, if he's, you know, approaching a hundred, by the new year I think that he and he's obviously going to wait to see when they actually schedule the title fight I wouldn't be surprised if he realizes it's like hey you know just that's how the cards were dealt there's it's just too long of a wait I'm probably going to have to fight the winner of Fontenaldo anyway if I win the belt let's do it so I think it's all about the timeline but I feel like TJ is going to end up needing one more, which we probably didn't think when he beat Corey uh, back in, uh, what is it, July? So I think that that's just um, something to think about as we start looking into winter and spring as they start to get scheduled. Um, let's. T- I mean, Islam Mahachev on the main card just... Um, I know we favored him. We know his grappling was always going to be that, you know... It's the best weapon on either side between him and Dan Hooker, right? I don't mm-hmm. think many people expected him to just walk a guy like Dan Hooker and just handle business like that. Just really didn't... He said it himself. He didn't feel like he used that much effort. He got to the right position quickly. He got him pinned down pretty well quickly. And then Habib... I don't know if you've seen it now, but I, I, someone recently posted this afternoon... The clip of Habib just walks Islam through a Kimura and he gets the finish. I mean, nine fight win streak now, tied with Charles Oliveira. Uh, uh, first off, anything you'd like to say about the fight? Because I think it's pretty straightforward what's next for Islam. Yeah, it was an impressive domination. I mean, I feel for Dan Hooker, who's been, you know, having some bad luck in the octagon lately, and then to top it off, 
the reason why he's been fighting more regularly is because of COVID, New Zealand, you know, regulations and whatnot. So the man's been uh, sort of been between the rock, a rock and a hard place, and it's not been well going well. But you know, hey, that, that does happen in, in MMA careers, and I'm sure he'll bounce back. Yeah, for Islam, he's definitely the uh, the talk of the town, and um, I mean. <laughs> It was pretty darn easy what he did to Dan Hooker. And that Khabib-style wrestling is just, as of yet, undefeatable. And it's uh, it's going to continue to be a very big challenge for the best of the best in that division. So to me, I think it's pretty simple. If um, Justin Gaethje beats Chandler this Saturday, I think Justin gets the next title shot. If we have a situation where both Charles Oliveira and Michael Chandler win, I could see Islam jumping right up to get the next fight with Charles because we just obviously saw Michael versus Charles. So I think that he's very close. If we're waiting, you know, so for example, let's say we were to get Charles versus, or Dustin versus uh, Justin Gaethje, um, maybe late spring, maybe even like a 4th of July kind of thing. I can definitely see Islam taking on a guy like Benil Dariush. I think that yeah. that's a great fight. And, um, <coughs> Excuse me. No problem. I, I just think that's the only way you make all those pieces work. And then if Michael Chandler wins, I don't know where he goes if Charles wins, but I just feel like, or, you know, we, we could see Islam versus, um, wait, no. Uh, yeah, I, I just feel like it'll be Islam Dariush or... Yeah, Islam Dariush, if they don't just give Benil a title shot. But I just, unless uh, Justin Gaethje loses, I think Islam's going to need to have that title eliminator, which is fine, because he's lightweight is such a shark tank that really all of those guys are so interchangeable. Benil's on a great win streak too, so. But yeah, I, I think that you need to start talking about him as, you know, he might be looking to have Habib try to wrap the belt around his waist, and I think that that's, that storyline sells itself in most places. Yeah, I mean, initially I thought Islam, who was who's next for him? Benil Dariush. Like he's sitting there at 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 the number three spot, and everyone else um, around Benil and Islam are spoken for. Uh, Chandler Gage, right? Dustin Charles Lever. So that's just the one that makes sense. They're both. Probably like Islam didn't even did he even get punched. I mean, no, right? <laughs> so, so there. I think he's probably fresh and ready to go. I'd like to see that. That's the the merit based uh, matchup. But you lay out a picture that that can also I can see happening, which is if um, you know, if Michael Chandler wins, then they're not going to want to give uh, Michael Chandler a rematch with Charles Oliveira right away. So they would give it, or you know, well, this is where it gets too tricky. Let's just say Dustin won against Charles Oliveira, maybe they would do Michael Chandler, Dustin, but Islam is so hot right now that, and with Khabib as part of the, as you say, the story, um, he might just get pushed over Benil Dariush. Should there be an opening for a title shot? I could see that happening for sure. I think, yeah, I think that we've got it. I, I just don't, the only scenario we don't see is a Charles and Michael immediate rematch. That one, uh, yeah. that's the only sell. But And then, you know, where do you go if you have, like, let's say Chandler and Poirier win? 
they could easily say, hey, we like Islam. We could go Chandler Dariush, and that's another good, sensible fight, too. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways to cut the cake, um, you know, as Joanna would say, but I think that essentially they're going to go Islam if it's anybody besides Gaethje. Straight up. Anyway, uh, yeah. I can't let it go without talking about the man, the wolf. He's back and he took out Lee Jing Leung like he was a little, you know, he was a little Red Riding Hood. Hamza Chemaev. What is this? Four UFC victories and he's still only taking like three punches, Natalie? <laughs> I'm not even going to say anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know people want to... Go ahead. No, no. I'm just going to say that's remarkable. That's a crazy stat. And, um, I mean, especially coming off the COVID recovery where he was so down on his health that he was talking retirement and all that stuff to just blitz Lee and, and to do it with bravado and cockiness, you know, like almost not disrespectfully to Lee because he wasn't about him. It was about him. It was about, you know, comes out talking to Dana White, but like that's pretty ballsy. And, uh, and the choke itself was pretty wicked. Like you could see that Lee was gonna the last second, try to tap, but then his lights went out and he couldn't tap. It was pretty, it was pretty gnarly. Like that was the way to heck of a comeback for sure. So I've pulled it up, the ESPN MMA stat. Hamzat in four opponents, 254 strikes to two. That is... That's unbelievable. That's like when... That's like a video game where you completely max out your character and then you have like one sh one touch kill on like a fighting <laughs> game. That's what that number is like. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. ridiculous. And by the way, Gerald Mearshart, we just saw him pick up a big win. This is not an easy guy to put away. Lee Jing Leung, he was on a great win streak. He's put away highly ranked guys. This is not supposed to be an easy guy to put away. So I, I know what people are talking about. Uh, a lot of people seem to be pushing the Nate Diaz angle because I'll just say it. I, I kind of get the feeling they kind of want to replace an old star with a new one. Because it seems like Nate's on the end of his deal and maybe exploring free agency. So Dana's like, okay, well, let me get my last beat, bit of heat off of Nate and turn Hamzad into this megastar. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'll say this. For Hamzad, I don't know if I like the Nate Diaz fight. I think that there's Gilbert Burns out there. I think Wonderboy Thompson. I, I just feel like I don't even want to play the Nate Diaz game because I feel like that's just become such a headache and Nate doesn't want it and Nate and Tony are doing their thing on social media. I personally would prefer Hamzat Wonderboy or Hamzat Burns. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I hate to say this because, you know, I love Wonderboy so much. That's a tough fight for him. And so I'd almost rather see Hamzat go against Burns. I'd like Thompson to get a win. Uh, uh, a little bit of a of a tune-up win first. Um, so I'm okay with Burns, um, Hamzat. I know Neil Magny's asking for it, but yeah, like Hamzat's a little bit 
not a little bit. He's a very special right now. He's high on everyone's, um, you know, list. So it's going to have to be a big name. I don't like Nate Diaz either because sort of for the similar reason that I don't like Stephen Thompson, I think Nate Diaz needs a, needs a, a win. Like let's keep the brand alive in a positive, you know, victorious way. And if you give him another guy like this, like it's going to be too hard. Like let's, let's see Nate Diaz shine a little bit. And I don't think he's going to be able to shine against Hamzat right now. So um, Nate Diaz can find another matchup somewhere else. Let's, let's stick to the regular roster, the regular rankings. And I think Hamzat's big and splashy and Gilbert Burns just came off the title not, is not too far from a title shot, number two ranked. Like, that's good, too. Is Leon Edwards already? Does he already have an opponent? Yeah, remember Jorge Masvidal. Oh, my gosh. How could I forget that? Oh, Natalie. It's too much good. candy in my brain. That's what it is. <laughs> I had to forget that one. <laughs> I don't know. It's like That's like a Ganu versus Gun. It's like, yes, we got it. It's a big one. We got it. We got it's it. It's okay. We, we, we've been going through a lot of names today. It's okay. A lot of names. Um, but yeah, I like number two, Gilbert Burns and uh, Hamzat. Hamzat. I say them both plays. Yeah. By the way, Vicente Luque, I'm still trying to figure out what we can do with him. He gets. It, it's like he's due for a big fight, but I feel like everybody... It's like, you know, there's just nowhere for the piece on the board to move right now, so... Because he's due for a big one, too, and I almost feel like, as much as I like Hamzat Burns, I also feel like, wait, we're screwing over a guy who's also doing his thing, doing that, but uh, it'll get sorted out. But my point is that welterweight is really, really heating up right now, almost as much as lightweight, and that's saying something. So we got a lot of good is stuff Kiesa going fighting? on. Is he fighting someone soon? Uh I don't, Michael Kiesa. I'd have to find that. I'm not off the top of my head. I'm not sure. Not I don't sure think either. so. Yeah. But yeah. That, okay. Well, yeah. There's another name there if he's not, but I don't know. I wouldn't mind that. I feel like he for Hamza. Yeah, yeah. For Hamza. Yeah, 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 that could be good. I, I think so. Uh, let's I, see. I think that Conf- they would. Oh no, no. Confirmed. Uh, he's fighting Sean Brady. Oh yeah. November twentieth. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Oh well, yeah. you know, you never know. Anything could happen. <laughs> That's what um, the internet's for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about some PFL. So obviously, you know, we got the championships. Uh, I like the fact that they did them now. I think that there's just so much going on for New Year's Eve that really, it, even UFC, they don't really go that late in the year, like the week before Christmas, and they just go off. They don't even try to book in that that one week in between Christmas and New Year's. So I do like that PFL made the decision to move it and have it in, you know, mid-October, late October. Uh, We'll talk about Kayla Harrison everything because we know that, let's be honest, that'll be a very big topic for probably a couple of months. But um, where do you want to start? Because what were some of your favorite ones? Because there was still a lot of good stuff on that undercard too. Uh, you know, Ray Cooper, that was, that was a big one for me. So exciting. And like the hair, you know, I was listening to him on, um, Ariel Helwani's show like that day of, and you know, I didn't, I was just listening. So I didn't see the video and you know, he's like, Oh, what happened to your hair? Oh, you know, and Ray Cooper's very chill about it. Oh, you know, had to make the weight, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. He cut off all his hair. He'd been growing for nine years. 
hey, look, nine years younger. It was a good look for him. So in any case, um, amazing fight, like, with the history there between the two of them and Ray Cooper just, like, digging deep, doing what, what you know, you know he can do. But against someone like Magomed, it's like, oh, my God, is he going to be able to pull it off? Like, man, I thought he was done. Like, I, he was in the corner eating shots, and then he came out with that, with that comeback. So that was super, super exciting, very thrilling to see that victory. Um, the other thing that's that I actually thought, I won't say I enjoyed it, but you know, Clarissa Shields lost her for her second MMA fight. I think, you know, not surprisingly, her opponent, just like in the first fight, was uh, you know, grappling, uh, uh, going grapple heavy on the attack. And Clarissa has some moves to help, but she obviously still needs to to smooth a lot of things out, and it's can just imagine how the mind is so hardwired to fight in one way. And now you have to try to fight in two different ways. And so it's a huge challenge for her. Uh, but I think it's a good thing. Like, I think it's good that she lost because it'll help her learn better, learn faster, what she needs to work on to, to, to get to grow in the, on the grappling side of MMA. So I think it was beneficial. What I didn't like after the fact is, we don't need to, to have a conversation about this. I just feel like mentioning, you know, all this Jake Paul nonsense, calling her out and saying, oh, you're you're a loser, this and that. Like, come on, man. Like, forget about MMA for, for a moment. Clarissa Schultz is a national hero, right? Two-time Olympic gold medalist. Same as Kayla Harrison. Like, that's it. And she's just trying a new sport, and, and God bless her, good luck, right? She's very talented. She should be able to try and make money in a different combat sport. Why not? Let's see. And we should be happy that she's trying something and, and we should be impressed and we should, you know, be inspired by it. I am. And so I'm just sick of the, the, the you know, the schoolyard throwing sticks, Jake Paul strategy. I think it's old and stale. And I wish, I wish he would just get more creative, be clever. If you're going to stick around in this world, which it looks like you are like, Stop doing the same thing over and over again. Do something different. Be nice. Maybe that'll get you more fans. I don't know. In any case, that's my. Uh, I mean, Tommy that's Fury's, my two cents over there. Tommy Fury gets his crack at him. What is that? December eighteenth, something like hopefully, that. Hopefully, that you know changes his perspective. Yeah. Well, to lead into it with Clarissa Shields, you know, um, here's where I say, I, I get frustrated for Clarissa because. When you look at her record, when you look at her accolades, I listen to her on Ariel Hawani. She's, she does her part. She says, speaks what's on her mind when the microphone's in front of her. That's mm-hmm. what people like, right? Out of the athletes, to, you get to know them. You get to attach to the personality because then you're along for the ride when they compete. And, you know, with the MMA boxing thing, look, the fact is we know who's the hot ticket in boxing, you know, the the Furies, Canelos, the Teofimo Lopez, Lomachenko, you know, and look, I, respectfully, not all of them necessarily have that heat, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know if people necessarily are as enthusiastic about paying for pay-per-views as some of the other guys as much as they sometimes just want to see a particular fight, which happens with all of them, right? MMA too. But I get the impression, you know, like all of this for Clarissa, like she is not getting a slice of the pie that's comparable for someone of her brand and her skill level. 
And so, yeah, like, like several boxers have done, do the MMA thing, be more famous, expand your brand. That way you could maybe get more money and attention, command more money in boxing when you go back. I think the tough thing, though, and I talked about it, the ceiling, you know, I think she's a talented athlete who could certainly grow in MMA. But I think that if it, this isn't your 100% thing, all you're doing is kind of pushing the car along both tracks slower. Because, mm-hmm. okay, she has a fight coming up in December. As all of us would, we'd be training very hard on that. I don't ex- Maybe she's baller enough to still do wrestling practice leading up to a big boxing fight. But common sense would say, don't do that. Focus on boxing. The point is to win the mm-hmm. fights and do everything, right? So yeah. to me, it's just, I don't know. I feel like because of the disparity with the money, that is the reason why Clarissa is entertaining this. And I get it. She's a competitor. There's a lot of that ego and all that that pushes someone of her talent to be the best but when I saw that fight I'm like this is somebody that you were probably supposed to walk over right you know hardly has any MMA fights trains out of a good camp but that doesn't necessarily mean you're coming out fully cooked as a great fighter already so that that was my takeaway with Clarissa I think that she looked fantastic for a developing fighter but once again, she's a developing mixed martial artist and mm-hmm. apples oh, yeah. to oranges, boxing, MMA. So th- that's where I stand. I-, I think it's fantastic. I think that we ask the boxers, hey, if you want to call us out, why don't you step over? I think it's baller that she's doing it. It's once again, though, because you know where she's at in boxing, to see her not commit to one or the other just makes you feel like you're really not getting to the end goal in both. Does that make sense? It does. But, I mean, what's the end goal in boxing? Has she pretty much done it all, or is there still more? Get paid. To do besides just win fights. Get, yeah, exactly. Make besides bank. just win fights, yeah. And I think that yeah. you're seeing that with her buddy Amanda Serrano a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, I'm very interested to see if working with Jake kind of leads to Amanda getting her super fight with Katie Taylor which would be fantastic. I think everyone's mm-hmm. been wanting to see that. And if you don't know it, go Google it. Um, Mike Coppinger has had a great profile on The Athletic on all the drama that went down. On This was a super fight that there was some shady stuff behind the scenes that lost opportunities for Amanda. And th- this mega fight fell apart for women's boxing. So it- it's quite a lot. So I'm interested to see how the Jake and team, how they approach it now. Because... The traditional way didn't work. Um, anyway, uh, if I didn't mention it, Bruno Capelosa, epic win. Um, Ray Cooper, I I can't add more. That was insane, brother man. You, that is a <laughs> that that's a BMF right there. Mm-hmm. Um, wouldn't mind seeing him against a couple of the guys not in PFL. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, is he or is he not? I don't know. We'll talk about that later. Um, maybe. I wouldn't mind seeing him, what he's worth on the free agent market, but which leads to it, I think that PFL will definitely break the bank for Ray Cooper, even more so if they lose the one. Kayla, uh, what am I going to say? Kayla Harrison, you know how we said Islam Mahachev didn't have to put a lot of effort in to win it? Mm-hmm. Kayla Harrison 
you know, I, she's had tougher fights in the gym. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when you think about, you know, uh, Taylor went out there, um, million dollars on the line, shocked the world. Uh, Kayla made that look very easy. And I know she trains very hard to make it look easy, but now, I, I mean, I'm going to toss it to you. Kayla Harrison, what do we see and when do we see it? Just plain and simple. Dude, I don't even know because we had our conversation about wouldn't it be great if she would show up at Madison Square Garden and after, you know, winning her million dollars at PFL, that, you know, that same day or the next day, Dana White's talking uh, to reporters and saying, oh, I think she should stay at PFL. I think that's the place for her. <laughs> and it's like, is that just gamesmanship? Are you just messing with us? Or do you really not want Kayla Harrison and you don't want her so much that you're willing to just say it to everybody, including to her publicly? Like, what do you make of that, Double G? You know, I thought that that was a... Um, <clears throat> I think that next time Dana asks Ali to make a deal, I think that that is where, you know, things fall apart. Um, I do I do read that as gamesmanship. I think that Dana, you know that she's worth a lot of money. No company wants to pay a ton of money. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll say this, uh, the one caveat to why isn't Kayla Harrison worth big money now if you're going to make an argument, you argue, who is her competition supposed to be in UFC? Amanda Nunes. Okay, well, right. do you think Kayla's ready for Amanda now? Yes or no? Okay, if not Amanda, what are we really talking about in the featherweight division? Now, let's just yep. say, Kayla, you could build around Kayla. And Kayla comes to you, maybe she could get a few more fights and get a cleaner striking, but... As close to a finished product, let's be honest, some fighters don't fight as good as Kayla with more fights. So the fact that she's at the level she's at right now is very notable. But I think that promotion-wise, age-wise, talent-wise, Kayla comes to you already able to sell. And you already have, you could make your money back on Kayla Harrison pretty quickly, if you ask me. So I think the only way we see Kayla go anywhere else is if the UFC will know the UFC completely lowballed her. I think if it's comparable, she's going to do UFC. For the simple fact that we talked about last week, you get more exposure being part of a UFC pay-per-view, etc., etc., being part of the octagon and all that stuff. I think that unless they completely lowball her, I don't see how a deal doesn't get made for that reason. And if she goes somewhere else, we know it's because of that. And I will say this. If UFC does that, Bellator is suddenly very appealing. Because I think that we get this impression of how Kayla feels about PFL after last year. And she's like, I could mm-hmm. fight Julia Budd. Or I could go to Bellator and fight the girl who beat Julia Budd. And do my thing there against Kat Zingano. And maybe, mm-hmm. Bell- hey, maybe Megan Anderson is waiting to see where Kayla goes. And tries to yeah. sign on that decision you know she it doesn't seem like she's in a hurry so i think that that's what we're gonna see it depends on everything it's a domino effect from ufc and i'll leave it at that if they have a good offer i think that the other ones don't get traction if they have a low offer suddenly we're having a lot more talks 
Yeah, man. I think honestly, after everything, you know, we talked about last week and, and where it all ended up with Jaina saying his piece and Kayla doing her performance, I think it's going to be Bellator. There's no way she's going back to PFL. And there's no way UFC is going to pay her what she's worth or at least what she thinks she's worth. I think she's going to be fighting as a featherweight for Bellator. And I'm putting, I'm doubling down on that. Let's see what happens. Uh, final question. Is this the ultimate test of Ali Abdelaziz as a manager? For Kayla Harrison? like In general. Put it this way. After, uh, after Dana has said that, if Ali could get Kayla Harrison paid, is this the ultimate proof he could sell anything? He could yeah, pay. yeah. If he gets, yeah. I mean, he's he all, he's very good. Big, gets what she wants. The thing with Ali is that he has all this collateral, all this weight that he can throw around, right? It's not like, you know, you, you he says, Dana, give me this one. You know, give Kayla what she deserves and I'll help you out with these other 30,000 fighters that I represent. <laughs> so it's kind of like... Yeah, he could get it done with the bargaining chips that he has at his disposal. It's very doable. I mean, I, I will say this. I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be very interesting mm -hmm. to see how he's able to swing that over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, we'll see. But I'll say this. This is kind of the proof. It's like you've done fantastic work with a lot of UFC fighters. Can you get the biggest star not in the UFC paid now? I think that'll be very interesting to see. Because right now, yeah. you, you know it's not on Kayla. Kayla did her part. Dana drew the line in the sand. Now it's all about your management. Okay, so we'll, anyway, we'll put a pin in that for another day. I still hope to see Kayla hanging around New York, but that's just me. <laughs> um, let's, uh, do you want to start from the top down or from the bottom up? UFC 268. Uh, let's start from the bottom up. All right, let's. Uh, all right, we got a banger. Michael Chandler taking on Justin Gaethje. To me, the big storyline outside of the stylistic violence we're probably going to see, Justin Gaethje is kind of trying to pull a Jorge Masvidal. Lost a title fight, held out for a big fight. Not, it's not like an immediate title rematch like with Jorge and Kamaru, but the fact is he held out for a fight, and now he's in that predicament. He wins, it paid off for him. He loses, he's essentially lost about a year of his uh, just athleticism waiting for a big fight. You know what I mean? He made a business decision. Yeah. So I think that even though Justin Gaethje obviously still, as of right now, one of the best guys and all that, that's a gamble for anybody. Michael Chandler, he did not come to UFC and leave everything he had in Bellator to be a middle-of-the-pack guy. He wins, he's still in the mix. He loses, I don't know how enthusiastic he feels about being a top 5 through 10 fighter after he's been a top 3 for the last 10 years in any promotion he's in. So I think that this is a, as much as it's a fun fight, it's a very critical crossroads fight like Michael Chandler. Does he still want to do this or does he want to maybe go all in on his broadcasting for Justin Gaethje? How far down does he tumble possibly and... Where's he at after waiting a year? All of that makes for very intriguing stuff. And then the fight itself. I mean, <laughs> Michael Chandler brings the damage. Explosive. Just, uh, you know, he's kind of like the juggernaut from X-Men. You give that, you push that train a little bit and just the 
sheer weight of it just seems to knock everything else down in front of it. Justin Gaethje, he's just a more efficient engine of destruction. Doesn't go wild like he used to. Picks his spots and then just cracks that baseball bat over you. Um, calf kicks, heavy hands, Chandler's wrestling, all of that great stuff. All of it promises a great fight. Let me toss it to you now. What are your thoughts? Oh, boy, yeah. I mean, is this the one I'm most excited about? Not necessarily for what it means for whoever wins, but just for, like, the 30 or 15 minutes of, of probably, you know, pure violence that we're likely to see, yeah, of the of the three we're covering here. Yeah, definitely. Here's what I keep thinking about, though. You, you laid it out all perfectly, and you described both fighters perfectly. Engine of Destruction, Juggernaut, that's it, man. You nailed it. But I keep thinking about Trevor Whitman and how can he be coaching all three of these people on the same card through a training camp on fight night back to back to back. Like, that is insane. He's done it before with Kamaru and Rose. I don't know if he's ever done it with Rose and Justin, but so all my point is he's done two. To do three, like... Who's getting the short end of the stick at the gym, right? It's got to be somebody. Maybe it's not even one of the fighters. Maybe it's Trevor. But then what does that mean for him when he gets to fight night? Like you're, you're, you can only do so much. Is he a superhuman coach? Maybe we're going to see. Cause if he wins, if his fighters win all down the, you know, the line there, that would be like coach of the century. Right. I mean, who's ever done this? Nobody. So I'm excited to see how Trevor Whitman and, and the team at Onyx do. I'm all mental weight to carry, strategies for each fighter, and to be able to stay focused one fighter, one fight at a time, and then to switch like that to the next fighter. And if your fighter loses, then how much compassion can you offer them But before you have to leave them and go a tangled, tricky web that missed now, I, I'm cool. all of these fights. I mean, I, I'm with you there. I think that um, with Trevor, I'm going to give him the credit. He pulled it off once before. Remember in April, he had Kamaru and he had Rose. And they both right, delivered. Right, right. No, I was going say just two, though. But now you got three. <sighs> I don't know. I believe Make in Trevor. Nervous, of course, it <laughs> makes me nervous. But I like Trevor Whitman. I believe in him. I think that the, you got a guy who could do it. It's a guy like him. Um, yeah, because he's a Zen master, he's a sensei, like, if anyone could do it, right? It's like, um, oh boy, what's the name of the, the mouse from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Master Splinter. You know master Splinter, he's Master Splinter, right? Okay, so he can do it, but gosh, the pressure, in any case. Wait, so who's the fourth Ninja Turtle? Is it Drew Dober? Of course, San Hagen. <laughs> I think it's no, Drew. it's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got three turtles right there, right? Kamaru. I think that Justin is two turtles in one. So. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Um. Uh. All right. So um. Let's just pick it because we, you know, we're getting to the end of yeah. the show. Um. I think Justin Gaethje with the movement. I think that um. Chandler is a guy, sometimes he likes to use his wrestling, but I feel like it's only when um, he feels like he has 
that edge into striking because it feels like it's just more efficient. I don't think that he's going to want to stand with Justin, but I think that Justin's going to just walk him down and do the damage. He knows he's got 15 minutes, not 25. Doesn't have to conserve the as much energy. I think he's just going to let him go a little bit. Calf kick, get out of the way. And uh, similar to Tony Ferguson fight, just break him down that way across 15 minutes for the win. Um, You know what? I want to see some violence. I'm going to say second round KO. Oh boy, okay. Well, I- I'm with you as far as Justin Gaethje being able to to just walk down Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler has all these great attributes and that power, but I don't think his power is going to be enough to knock out Justin Gaethje. So even if he hurts or wobbles Justin, Justin will be able to recover. And the fact that it is a three-round fight makes all the difference um, for Justin Gaethje. I think that's in his favor. He can just push the pace and and attack, attack, attack smartly because that's how he fights now. He's a pretty smart fighter now. Uh, I think it's going to be a third-round TKO, but still, my man Justin's going to be uh, going to give Trevor Whitman his first win of the night. All right, there we go. Let's go into Coach Whitman's second fight of the night, the co-main event. Rose Namajunas looks to repeat her success against Zhang Wei Li. Obviously, the big story going in is Zhang Wei Li. Where do you go if you lose twice to the same champion? It's not a good position. She's now kind of shaken up the recipe a little bit. She's added Henry Cejudo, Eric Albertsen, his coach. We've seen Davison Figueredo's training with them at the same time. I'm not saying necessarily that Davison is there to be a training partner for Whaley specifically, but she's added a lot of interesting, very high-level players to the mix to try to change the result. So I do appreciate the effort I'm seeing from Whaley. What I will say, though, is that we've seen just how brilliant Rose Namajunas can be. I think sometimes she kind of gets a little bit of a hard time because it seems like if it's losing, especially when you talk about the Jessica Andrade fight and then the rematch, sometimes it just feels like, how is she not as brilliant as we saw her in the first round against Jessica? Mm -hmm. Or like we saw her when she knocked out Whaley. Why isn't she that good all the time? I think that's a little unfair. I think if you're Rose, you just care about winning. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to have a bow on it. It doesn't have to have nice wrapping paper. Wei Li, I think the biggest thing, hands up, kicks, and you're just going to have to walk through that fire a little bit, similar to Glover Teixeira against Jan. I think that um, the more time Wei Li spends in the face of Rose, the more likely she is to win rounds. Obviously, the more time it spends at mid-range or further, that starts to favor Rose. I also feel like Rose is so multifaceted, she doesn't have to use her ground game. I don't know if Wei Li could get Rose down. But if she does, I think that it's going to be really tough to keep her down or to have to defend those submissions a lot. And I think that could be the X factor. So it's kind of pick your poison. We know what Whaley has to do, and we've seen what Rose can do. What are your thoughts on the fight? I'm a little nervous for this one because, you know, when someone, when a fighter loses uh, their belt in a shocking way and then they come back for the rematch, it's just like, oh, you know, they're so focused on, on righting that wrong. And you talk about what happens if Whaley loses, you know, again to the same opponent for the belt. 
well, what happened to Joanna Janjacek? Like, you know, she never had that kind of success again after losing twice to Rose. She won some here. Uh, she had the war with Wei Li. She took her hand a stab at 125, didn't win there either. She's had more losses than anything since that, since those two fights with Rose. Now, and she's still a top-notch fighter. Yeah, 100%. But it definitely, you know, alters your path for 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 sure, like possibly forever when, when that happens to you. So with Wei Li, well, you know, she cut her hair. So is she going <laughs> to, is that going to make a difference for her? I don't know, but the the Henry Cejudo thing makes me a little nervous because it's an extra uh, bit of information that she's got in the uh, in the brain there, an extra tool that she can use against Rose. But you're right, Rose is so skilled on the ground. We just don't have to see it that often. And you know the mistake she made against Andrade, you know that that was just a she she was losing focus. She was kind of done with being a champion at that point. This is different, and. I think Wei Li, though, is stronger in a brute force kind of way, sort of like Andrade. And so that is a concern that Rose should try to keep Wei Li, you know, away from her, off of her as long as she possibly can, just work from the outside. So I think if Rose continues to work from the outside and just fight so smart and so slick the way she always has, um, we're going to see another win for Trevor Whitman. Now, what I don't think we'll see, oh, man, I don't know if there's going to be a finish this time around. I really don't know. I want there to be, but I think it's going to be Rose by decision. Rose by decision. You know, uh, I don't know if it's seeing Glover, but I just get this vibe that Zhang Wei Li... She's coming with a bit of that extra vitriol she really needs. Oh, yeah. And I I get it. I'm very aware of what it's like to step in there with Rose Namajunas, but I think one of those things about it is that she is not... If you think... Let's say her first round with Jessica or her knockout of Whaley is Rose dialed up to an 11. I don't necessarily think we will see another 11. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know what it is. It's just my feeling. This is more on emotion rather than maybe yeah. a bit of the logic there. But I am getting the vibe that Zhang Weili is going to present a different look that throws off that perfect recipe that they've got going. I think she's just going to make it more physical. I'm not saying it's an easy fight, but I am getting the feeling that Zhang Weili she's really going to step into the fire once again. It's not going to be easy, but I think that she's going to look to do more damage. I'm going Zhang Wei Li, unanimous decision. Okay. I think that, um, you know, nope. I am feeling myself again. Third round, KO. Oh, KO. Oh, my God. I think she's going to head kick her right back. No, I think she's just going to come in with the hammer and just mm. step into that long reach of hers while Rose is maybe trying to step in with the kick and boom. And there yeah. we have it, and new. I get what you're saying, though, about the Rose thing. Like, I have that anxious feeling, too, that, that she's a little bit kidding herself, right, in that mode of kidding herself right now, you know, because she had this great victory, and now it's kind of like, oh, like maybe she's saying she's just as excited and just as interested, but I don't know. if Is she? I feel a little bit of that energy uh, in the room too, but I'm sticking with my uh, Rose unanimous decision. So let's see what happens. 
I mean, let's. I'm gonna leave it right there. Let's talk about the main event, Kamara Usman. Um, I believe 14 wins in a row. Natalie, just for reference, there's six people tied with 13. Guys like GSP, Silva, Demetrius, Holloway, and other people you really should have heard of. So he is in rarefied air right now. And then you know, okay, you know what Colby brings on the mic, but also you got to respect what Colby brings in the cage. He is just a bucket of problems for a lot of those guys. That's why he's done so well in a lot of these big fights. I think to me this one is going to be a big test of just how much has Kamaru grown as a fighter because as great as that win was over Jorge and the knockout of Gilbert Burns, I feel like Colby Covington on paper presents such a different set of problems that I don't know if Kamaru's necessarily going to shine quite like he did. And I think the biggest thing for Kamaru is not falling in love with that explosive power he's got. Yes, if it's there, all of them say the same thing. When you start trying to knock people out, that's when you're not able to knock them out. And I would, I think that's the one thing. Kamaru is riding such a high right now. I think it's got to be all about volume, movement. A lot of the things that won him the fight the first time and got him ahead of Colby, he's got to do the exact same things. Because I think that if he starts loading up on those punches, suddenly you're opening the door for the gas tank and the volume of Colby Covington to get ahead. So... Very competitive fight. I do expect Colby to once again be a tough opponent. Do I see him winning? I'm going to wait for you. What are your thoughts on the fight? Oh, boy. Um, Kamaru, I think, Kamaru has developed into the the fighter that he says he is. He's oozing confidence. And for as good as Colby Covington might, was always was, and might even be better now with his, um, you know, second time around with MMA Masters, Kamaru, to me, just, I believe what he says. I believe the look in his eyes. And I do believe that Trevor Whitman has made him like 100 times better striker and a more intelligent fighter. So you laid it all out perfectly. I'm just going to tell you, I think Kamaru Usman isn't going to waste time. This fight, he's going to get in there and finish Colby Covington. I see a, uh, a round two TKO. Round two TKO for Kamaru. Ooh, boy. For Kamaru Usman, yes. Okay, okay. The ones that I'm most sure of, oh, Kamaru and Justin, uh, for Trevor Whitman, are, are uh, those are the two. You but know, I, I, to me, I, I, I'll be honest. I just watched the first fight again earlier today. That was such a fun one. Yeah. I, I take a lot of that stuff because I know that Colby's going to try to get in his head and he's going to say some stuff on Thursday that's going to be blah, 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 you know, Marty Fick, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. I think that... it's. I'll be honest. I'm going Kamaru. I just don't know if it's going to go decision or if he could get that finish. I'm going to say this. I really want to see an efficient Kamaru. I do not want to see him loading up. I think that if he cocks that right hand back, that is all Colby Covington's fight. I think movement. I think efficiency. And you know what? Let's see if Trevor Whitman's the Zen master. I'm going to put my money that he is. I'm going to be with you second round 
You said TKO or KO? I did. TKO. I want the clean. I want. <laughs> I want that extra violence for some reason. I'm gonna go yeah. another KO second round. All right. I predict finish. I want to finishes on all of them. I I just feel like I haven't done that enough, and I should. So finishes <laughs> for everybody. Okay. No one's going to sub. No one that wants to grapple Judges in my predictions. <laughs> Why do we predict more submissions, Natalie? Ah, because it's you're really putting yourself on the line there when you do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, it's going to be epic. Uh, can you believe it? We haven't even talked about it. Um, new lightweight champion in Bellator, uh, Peter Quilly takes on Patricky Pitbull um, on Friday, and James Gallagher comes back against former title challenger Patchy Mix. That's coming up. And then, Natalie, can you believe it? Another busy week. Yara Rodriguez taking on Max Holloway. Ooh, that is, you know, a lot of... I think it's just proof enough. Max Holloway, when people see that he's fighting for free, it's like, oh my gosh, Dana White, Merry Christmas, thank you. Like, do you need another time? <laughs> um, and then uh, Cyborg against Sinead Kavanaugh. That's going to be another one, and I think that that's really, you know what Chris Cyborg should do? Is she getting older and not going to do it like we have gotten used to? I think that's the only question going into a fight like that. So, yeah, going to be interesting stuff, but toss it to you for the final word. What are you most looking forward to? Well, after Saturday night, I mean, do you mean after Saturday night or on Saturday yeah, night? Yeah, coming up next week. Not yeah, this Saturday. Oh, Max Holloway. I just love seeing him fight anybody, and he looks he's looked so good of, of late. So that's that's who I want to see. Yeah, you're, I mean, it's been a minute too, so curious how that's going to go down. But, but Max, man, let's, uh, let's keep the wins coming. I keep saying it. It's the hands versus the feet. I mm. hope that Yair lets loose some great, beautiful kicks that just, you know, max holloway deals with and then i want to see max it's kind of like a video game where like your character the more punches you land the better the character seems to do <laughs> like the power bar rises it's like oh you know i want to see another one of those so it'll be good stuff guys i will be in new york so follow me at double g on tv behind the scenes media day press conference weigh-ins and I'm going to be probably posting a lot about enjoying the Big Apple because I love the city so much. So tune in for a lot of that. And we will be back next week. Until then, have a good one.